welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with your host, Buddy Satello Esquire, Wrestling's premier photographer, Dr. Mike Leno, and Evan Ginsberg. Mike, would you like to introduce our guest for tonight? Yes. Uh, Russ has is, is been lucky we've had Sheldon on uh, about two years ago, but Evan and I have known Sheldon since at least early 90s. This is a man who has done everything from the world of entertainment and theater and celebs to obviously promoting, uh, gave many people, Mercedes Martinez, her big, na- you know, that's where everybody discovered her, wrestling promotion. And Sheldon, Matt Marketplace, which set the standard for everything we'd see 30, 35 years later. Uh, Sheldon Goldberg has done everything in wrestling. So we're honored and happy to have our friend back. And I'm privileged to be here, It's especially in uh, such great company. Yes. And um, so so uh, tell us, since we talked to you probably about two years ago, what has been going on with you since you last were here? Well, uh, I've had some ups and downs, some health issues. Um, it's funny, uh, 13 months ago, I was uh, laying on my back in a at Mass General Hospital, uh, suffering from kidney failure. And I was in the hospital there for about a month. And uh, I wasn't sure at that point what my future was going to be, or even if I was going to have a future. But, you know, I I picked myself up, dusted myself off, got back to work. And then uh, I decided that I was going to retire from my regular job. And devote more of my time to the things that I wanted to do. And so uh, that has manifested itself in my first novel, which is uh, coming out this week. It's actually already out uh, on Amazon for Kindle. And uh, uh, you'll be able to get the novel in paperback uh, starting this Wednesday. It's called The Last Fall, and it is a fictional story. And uh, I'm very proud of it and looking forward to... uh, uh, getting it out in the public, you know, the, so far, everyone who's read the book has raved about it, which is, of course, very gratifying. And uh, that's been uh, uh, exciting stuff for me because, you know, everything else that I've ever done uh, in in wrestling or entertainment, you know, I might have been behind it, but there were always other people involved in it. Writing a book, it, it's just you. It's just just me in this particular case. So it's a, a new experience and a, and a, an interesting and a gratifying one. Okay. Um, and is the book fiction or is it is it? It is fiction. Yes. And is it based on wrestling? Oh yeah, yeah. It's the story of a wrestler. It's the story of a, of a fictional wrestler by the name of Rick Pacheco. And it follows him from 1971 when he stumbles into the world of wrestling uh, almost by accident at the age of 11 until the end of his in-ring career in 1999. So so the, the timeline of the book is 71 to 99, and it, it ends just before the rise of social media and a lot of the things that we see in wrestling today and I, I deliberately chose that time frame because I, I wanted to you know I wanted to depict a period where storytelling and wrestling meant something and, and the story of uh, of this fictional character Rick Pacheco is, is a story that has a lot of stories that that are, are in it and weave around it 
So uh, I'm very proud of the book. I'm looking forward to you guys seeing it because I think you'll enjoy it. And, uh, you know, if, if we were talking off the air just before we started about how wrestling today is so devoid of storytelling, and uh, this book is storytelling, so and it's wrestling storytelling. So uh, I'm looking forward to people seeing everybody who's read it thus far has raved about it, which is, of course, as I said before, very gratifying. And, and I'm looking forward to uh, you know, getting reactions from people like yourselves who've been around wrestling for so many years. Before I throw to Evan, let me just ask quickly, does Rick Pacheco go through the territories? Yes, he does. All right. All right. Yes, he does. Yes. Right up our alley, Evan. I'm having tech issues. Um, the screen is freezing. Um, the camera is not working. We can hear you perfectly. Yeah, we can hear you. And everyone knows what you look like by now, Evan. Right. Yeah. So and just continue anyway. on. Just continue on. We don't need your camera for. for Ev, you just visited Sheldon a couple, you know, what was it, five, six weeks ago. Did you know he was doing this book? I had no clue. Yeah, he had mentioned it. This was. Um, this was uh, early August, and um, mm -hmm. what motivated you to do the book, Sheldon? Uh, it was a, you know, it's something that I always wanted to write a novel. I wasn't sure that I could, but you know, it was something that I always wanted to do, and I never really had time to do it un until I retired from my regular job, and then, you know, all of a sudden I had I had all this time. You know, I, I I'm on dialysis now, so. Dialysis for me is, is four hours a day, three times a week. So it's 12 hours a week that I have to do dialysis. And that's sort of like a part-time job. You know, between that and follow-up medical appointments that seem to never end. It's a, it's, it's a part-time job. But, you know, I, because I, I, I had freed myself of that 40-hour-a-week commitment, I was able to take on some different projects. And this was the first one. That, that really sort of accelerated itself through to fruition. Once I started writing the book, it kind of poured out of me. Uh, I actually started writing a, a different story altogether, and then this came to me, and then all of a sudden, I kind of saw the whole thing, and uh, off I went, and, and I had a, a first draft in a few weeks, and then, uh, you know, it, it took uh, you know four or five more drafts to really polish it and get it to where I needed it to be. But, um, uh, yeah, so th that was my, I want, I was something I always wanted to do. And uh, a guy who, who really helped me to get it finished was uh, a guy, you may know him. Do you know uh, Kenny Casanova? Absolutely. He's been a guest on the show a couple of times. He's, yes. he's publishing and, our book on John Tolis. Yeah, and he's probably yes, the king yes, of yes, wrestling, yes. you know, media as far as the, you know, book, written book media. He's probably the king of that. So he's glad that you used it. I'm not surprised that you used his help. And, and I think that everyone who wants to write a wrestling book looks to him for, for help. So that was good. Yeah, he uh, he formatted the, the book, put it in the right format and so forth, and gave me a few suggestions, which I, I took and... Uh, uh, helped me in the final stages of, of putting the book together. And then we, uh, he uh, walked me through the whole publishing process on Amazon, which was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. So uh, uh, Kenny, uh, very, very instrumental in helping me get this done. Very, very grateful to him. And we should say he's put out books on a, a plethora of folks from uh, referee Russell oh, yeah. Davis, Kamala James Harris, our wonderful friend. 
uh, obviously Vader, Leon White, and a, a zillion other Ken guys. Ken Patera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That book is the a Ken great Ken book. book. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So uh, he's, uh, he's, he's on his 13th book now. Wow. Sheldon, is the character based on anybody in particular, your own experiences, wrestlers you've known? No. no. I mean, you, you'll when you read the book, there are things that are going to say, oh, that's based on so-and-so, or this is based on so but the Now uh, Sheldon's frozen. I think Sheldon yeah. might have temporarily froze. Uh-oh. First uh -huh. I froze, now Sheldon froze. We might have to start from the beginning. Go move it. Let me remove him and add him in. Do the same with me, because I'm not mine's not working. Okay, yet. hold on. Well, yeah, I know. I, I don't know what to say, but we'll oh, so go. Okay, the California boys are doing okay. Yeah, let's go add Evan back again and add Sheldon back. Now, we don't have to record from, from the, the beginning, but uh, I will uh, uh, edit this part out. The exercise. Well, while we're doing that, Evan uh, is going to come out with a review on the, uh, of the uh, Impact show. And Seriously. folks, a lot of folks, and this is going to be on Pro Wrestling Stories, but a lot of folks uh, have said that the, uh, uh, the the match with uh, Will Ospreay and Sheldon, uh, are we back here? I'm I'm back. Yes, you're back. I don't we'll, know what we'll happened. See what we can do about adding Evan. But you know, you're you're the guest of honor, so we'll we'll continue the show without uh, you know until bring it back, Evan. I, I want yes. because I think about this often. I think Sheldon, you went to to CAC last year for your first time in in a long, long time. Two years ago. Two years Two ago. Years. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've kept away since COVID. I was there, and uh, I because John Arizzi and I, John as the president, me as the vice president, ran Blassie's fan club after my mm -hmm. immediate boss in the LA territory, Jeff Walton, had to give it up. I mm -hmm. there was Jeff. And his best friend, who I've been close to for decades, Terry Brote, they ran Blassie's 60s fan club. And I had them pose, and I brought this huge Blassie fan club banner from the 60s. And John Arisi and I are on one side tugging it with Jeff Walton and the other VP. We were the only guys who ever ran Blassie's fan club. So that was the last time I went. But I was thinking, Sheldon wanted to do a book. I think he could do a book. You know, not going to say anything bad. The guy passed away, but. Carl Lauer was such a carny at times, and Sheldon in particular, more so than even me at Moolah's LIWA, had to experience a lot of that stuff and uh, and maybe talk some sense at times into Carl uh, and, and saw all of the changes that went because Moolah, Lillian, and uh, Johnny Mae Young were not there from the start. But when they did come, Sheldon probably knows, they kind of aggressively took it over and pushed Ray Stevens' widow, who was a historic women's wrestler in her own right, Teresa Thies to the side. I think it's Penny and Betty Clark, those three. Mm, 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 mm. And uh, I would like to see a book because probably no one knows this stuff better than Shell. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, I was fond of Carl. You know, I, I just kind of took him for what he was. You know, I didn't. Uh, you know. He was harmless. He was harmless, but he was like 
he saw that, and and when Art Abrams passed in 1999, he immediately moved the next year from L.A., where a lot of us loved those reunions, to Vegas. Yeah. Carl liked Vegas, and where do we end up? The first year, and a couple of them was at Moolah's the Union Plaza Hotel on Fremont Street. Right, 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 right. Said, and and uh, that was our base, and then they went. Uh, two years ago and last year. So I think you went, did you go to the Union Plaza two years ago? Was that the? Uh, no, two years ago was. Um, Still the old uh, coast, as I called it, the yeah, old. It was Gold Coast, yeah, the old coast, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. would what I would you know, say what I, I thought of it because we yeah. really got sick of it. We were there for like 15 years and, you know, it was, um, was what yeah. it was. But, mm. What, what did you think? Well, it's, of- a, it's certainly it's a different experience than it was in the Studio City days. You know, the boxers I, are gone, the, the Hollywood guys are gone. Yeah. Um, well, they, they see that's what happened. As a result, all the Hollywood and the boxing people. You remember when CAC started? It really wasn't started, although he was the guy, the figurehead who they said created it. But it was Abrams and some other folks. If you look into the history of CAC. Uh, yeah. It's a third boxing, a third acting, the real awards, movie and TV, and a third wrestling. And when yeah. Carl moves to Vegas, and he asked us for two years thereafter, those of us, I think you were on the board. I had dropped after whatever, six, seven years off the board in the 90s. But he asked us all, those on the board or immediately off of it, if we'd like to move it. And I think the vast majority said, yeah, we'd like to have it float around to different places. Like when we had those ancillary unions in Tampa and Springfield near Boston. Right. And right, three right, in right. the Napolitano ran. And mm-hmm. Carl and kind of put his foot down after we said no, you know, we'd we'd like to and the one year, I think two thousand one, it was at the uh, Mike Chapman Museum, which has changed. Uh, how do you get put it out by uh, for a Hall of Fame museum that you've created? You know, he, he had this board of directors that he handpicked, and then they voted Mike Chapman out. Remember that after the flood, which destroyed. Yeah, it was weird. That was very weird. And he was a great yeah. guy. He's like the number one historian of amateur. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you remember yeah. you were you were at my uh, St. Louis Munchnik convention, weren't you, Chef? Yes, I was. Very he fun memories there. of that. Yeah, Evan, you and me. Russ doesn't know this stuff. Russ doesn't know the St. Louis Sam Munchnik May of two nineteen. How would I know any of that? I got I interesting that your your book starts it ends in nineteen ninety nine, and I got my career started as an indie uh, manager in two thousand. I've talked about that because I had been to so many conventions from the WFA days of the early seventies on mm-hmm. to Weekend of Champions, the Don Rowlett thing in uh, Nashville and Memphis. A ton of conventions. John Clark's flyer. Well, well, well Mike, let's let uh, Sheldon tell us about his convention experience. All right. Yes. Uh, we're talking about the St. Louis convention. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well, you could talk about that, but I wanted to ask what your thoughts of the changes from when you last went to CAC to what it is now. It's a three and a half day extravaganza. Of yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's become a little bit more of a fan fest than it was before. Um, you know, back in the Studio City days, it was very much an industry thing. You know, you, you, you're going to that. People like you and I 
going to CAC back in the Studio City days, it's like, you know, we were like little kids led into the tent at the circus. We snuck under the flap and there we were with all the the, the circus people. But uh, now, you know, they encourage anybody to go and, and you know, it's uh, it, it's lost a little bit of its industry allure, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, a lot of guys going, I mean, unless they're transed in. But when you and I were going, you know, each year there would be somebody big. If it wasn't Caesar yeah. Romero, a bunch of times we had Elliot Gould right. pose with like everybody says, and that was major. Terry Moore yeah. was married to Hughes, and she was in that yeah. King Kong knockoff movie, Mighty Joe Young. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. There were we had some stars and. I think it was the 92 one that Oscar De La Hoya was at. So we had some name boxers. Yeah, yeah. We lost all of those folks. We, I don't know how we did it. We would split. You know, we'd have like one Hollywood, the real R-E-E-L award. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have a ton of boxing people get awards and a ton of wrestlers. And we do it all in one night. Now it's two nights and it's just wrestling and they're barely able to cram everything into two nights. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I miss the, the Studio City days. Yep. Yeah. Do you, you remember, were, you were with me, because you, you, you may or may not remember this, but you were with me. We went, we were at the uh, Sportsman's Lodge, and we're walking into the, the coffee shop there to have breakfast, and right across from us is Vern Gagne and Luthez, and they're sitting there with Marion Ross, from happy days holding court with her. Yeah. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But that how about the, this? The, I don't know if you were at the Kurt Hennig one where I, I told you about it. I don't think you were physically with uh, George Napolitano and I, but Kurt Hennig goes, you want to see some balls? And he saw over in the outer parking lot area, Laura Dern with Marie Steenburgen, Ted Danson, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. White Yoakam, the famous country singer. And uh, might have been one other star. And he just goes up there and he goes, uh, I've got some guys that want to take my picture with you. I'm uh, Mr. Perfect, the wrestler. And they just looked at him like they didn't have an effing clue who Kurt Hennig was. <laughs> <laughs> and these are, they were major all people, like Dwight Yoke, for one guy in country, but beautiful Laura Dern, Marie Steenburgen. And uh, I don't know if she'd even married mm -hmm. Ted Danson, but he was there. And uh, Napolitano and I, at the end, we go, yep, you have a set of balls on you. Well, yeah. <laughs> just beat him off with a stick here. He's, How's know, the sound? Yeah, you're fine. You sound fine. Now you're so, good. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Evan, yeah. uh, uh, you can ask all the questions now, but I was asking Shell. Uh, Carl Lauer passed away like a year and a half ago. Sheldon, after many years away from CAC, went to the one two years ago, and I go, if anybody could do a book on Carl Lauer and all of that stuff, it's Sheldon Goldberg. I don't and know that I'd be interested in doing that book. <laughs> to be honest, I love Carl. I didn't, you know, I, I'm I'm not into like telling tales out of school on people. Oh, I know, I know. You know? just a character because uh, it's a character. Yeah, so. you know, it's funny. I, I went to the last one that Carl attended. And I sat with him. We sat together at the banquet. He specifically wanted me to sit with him. And uh, it was great to see him after all that time. You know, he was happy to see me and I was happy to see him. And uh, we, we took a picture together and 
it was an it was a nice time you know it's it, it, it the experience now it's nice for what it is it's not what it used to be but you know what 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 is what it used to be in life yeah, true. so evan why don't, don't you, you why don't you catch up with us on uh, uh asking uh sheldon a few questions sure so sheldon how long did the book take you to do i mean books are a uh major endeavor people don't realize this book took me a couple of months it uh, it was surprisingly quick to do i once i i, I had I, as i say i started to say before i started writing a totally different story and then i had this idea and i just saw the entire thing in front of me and i said okay let me let me put this one aside and and do this and the book just kind of poured out of me and uh, uh, it was it's the most gratifying experience I've ever had as a writer because it just it came out of me and, and there was just so much uh, depth and, and, and breadth to what uh, what was being written and so forth. And uh, uh, it, it, it really it, it felt good. And that was confirmed by, you know, the, the people that, that helped me. Uh, I had a couple of different people help me, you know, uh, with a little bit of editing and so forth, just looking it over and getting their thoughts and opinions. Uh, but no, it was about it was about two months, two, three months from start to finish. It's great. Did you do, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Russell. Yeah. Did you do a lot of the writing while you were doing the dialysis treatments? No, no, no. I, 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 it's funny. My dialysis time is the first shift. So I'm there from six in the morning till 10 in the morning. And I have to get up like, like a quarter of four to get ready for dialysis. So once I get in that chair, I go to sleep for a couple of hours. Well, that's probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah. But when I get home, I, I, it's funny. I would turn on, I, I bought a year or so ago, you know, the last couple of years, I bought all these toys that I wanted to buy for some crazy reason. And one of those toys was a Chromebook. And I, it was a refurbished Chromebook. I bought it for like 50 bucks and I used it to write the book with. And I thought it was great. I just, you know, uh, I had a great time writing with it and uh, on it. And uh, um you know, it was really a really a help to uh, to to do it on that, and uh, um, so yeah, like I said, th this was it was a remarkably easy process writing this book, and I really think it's the best thing I've ever written. So there you go. And how do people order it? Uh, they can order it on Amazon. Uh, you can get it for Kindle right now. Wednesday, it'll be available uh, uh, on uh, Amazon in paperback. And if you want an autographed copy, go to my website, which is necw.tv, uh, and you'll be able to get uh, an autographed copy directly from me. Uh, also, if you're in the Boston area, um, uh, we're doing a book launch party on uh, November 9th, uh, Thursday night, November 9th, from 6.30 to 9.30. Uh, for 30 bucks, you get uh, an autographed book. You get a, an additional gift along with that and uh uh we'll have food there and a cash bar so it's going to be a good time yeah I, I wish you guys were closer so you could come well, 
Yeah, it'd be a little bit of a commute. I think if I left now from California, well, you could charge. You could charge for virtual visitors. Uh, you know, you probably could. You know, monetize that as a platform. Yeah. And I, I just, know. I just wanted to point out that uh, Sheldon on Facebook almost daily gives out advice to uh, wrestling promoters and. Uh, even though I'm not a promoter, I always find it interesting, um, you know, starting with don't have 16 matches going six hours past midnight right, right, right. with 37 yeah. ticket sellers, etc. <laughs> Give the promoters some advice, Sheldon. Exactly. There's tons of advice. I'm going to turn that into a book. Good idea. Yeah, those, yeah, those posts are called Advice for Wrestling Life. And uh, they're on Facebook. You just look me up, Sheldon Goldberg, on Facebook and just go back through my posts and you'll find that stuff. And I'm, I'm going to turn that into a book eventually. So, uh, Yeah, this uh, is a subject that's close and dear to my heart. So let, let's talk about, you know, indie promoters and, and how they unfortunately get themselves. Really, a lot of them get into one and done or... Uh, done in one year type scenarios. You know they yeah. get excited about it. It's the new toy in their in their toy chest, and then suddenly they realize that it's it's more of a business, and you have to run it smart than you have to run it with just throwing money at it. And know? suddenly they realize right. they realize when the wife leaves with the kids, and the kids are taking their toys and moving out <laughs> of the house after they burn through a couple of hundred grand. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so they could use Sheldon Sheldon's advice for sure. Hey, Sheldon, because I know Evan was there, but at the Gordon Scazzari uh, thing, we've talked about that, and uh, that was an unfortunate situation. A uh, really nice yeah. went through money, but Shell, weren't you at that that thing that was? Uh, I'm, I'm the only, and I'm in the area, and I didn't know about it. I didn't go. It was at Vince Senior's uh, venue, Lowell. The Lowell uh, was it the Lowell Auditorium? Arena? Lowell Memorial Auditorium, yeah, yeah. I was at I was at Gordon Scazzari's memorial service. He died at age forty, and I'm sure the stress from wrestling didn't help him any. And I was sure the, didn't. I was the only person from the quote unquote wrestling community that showed up. So let that be a lesson to promote is you know not to destroy your life over right. over indie wrestling if you don't know what you're doing because uh you could he died in a welfare hotel okay on ninth avenue in manhattan mm -hmm. and it was the saddest thing i probably ever been to and i'm not saying it is criticism mm -hmm. he was a dear friend i I probably visited him in the hospital 20 times that last year mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um you know, to burn through all your money and die in a welfare hotel. And he and he was also, you know, quite bitter about the whole experience. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that he had this great time and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, live fast and die young. No, he, he he really it was not a great experience whatsoever. And um, there were people that there were people that were good and kind to him. Mike included, and you always said what a good guy Pez Watley was, and mm -hmm. you no, know, there were others, there were others, but a lot of people had their hands in his pockets, and oh, yeah. you know, they bled him dry quick enough, boy. So uh, one of the things that I advise 
independent promoters is to remember that pro wrestling, like a lot of things in the entertainment business, it's a business of false love. If you're looking for love and acceptance, don't look to the wrestling business. Look, Do it for you. Don't do it because you're looking for what you're going to get back. Do it, do it for yourself. Do it because it's what you want to do. And, you know, the, the less you expect from it, the less disappointed you're going to be. You know, um, uh, Mike and I have our background in common with uh, Roland Alexander, who is like, I think, one of the more famous uh, uh, indie wrestling sure. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, out, out here in, in, in the Bay Area, he ran uh, All Pro Wrestling. The, uh, yep, that's I where I got my start. And um, I think a lot of what it, it's difficult because what you are is you're a dream merchant to these people, you, to, the, to the people who want to wrestle. You're the, 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 the gatekeeper to their dreams, to be able to get on, exactly get in the ring, wrestle, fight, and all that stuff. And for the fans, you're their dream keeper as far as what they want to see in the ring. You know, that you're giving them the product that they're hoping, you know, they're spending their 20 bucks or whatever on a Saturday night to go see and to be entertained. And I think that weighed on Roland quite a bit because mm-hmm. you, you're in this. this well, he had a lot of feuds, Russ. You remember, he had a lot of feuds online. Sure did. Sure did. And it was, uh, but to his credit, he started. APW as Pacific Coast Sports as an actual school two and a half years before he ever had his first show. And the talent that he produced, he went and picked Roy Shires, some of the jobbers, but they're very talented wrestlers, particularly Ricky uh, Thompson. Ricky to, Zaki, yeah. And he churned out some guys that were Noah stars from Mike Modest and Donovan Morgan, obviously someone Russ and I are close mm-hmm. to, uh, Russ managed Bison, Mark Smith. And, um, people came in and out. Randy Savage came to APW, Steve Austin, uh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of talent scouts for uh, Vince Jr. As did, there was tons of talent folks at Sheldon's promotion. And uh, Sheldon had stars that went on to become, you know, for the bigs. But Sheldon, it was no indie. I looked at what Sheldon was doing as uh, kind of a, a major uh, deal and, and so many famous people came in and out but Mercedes in particular now what a big deal she is and I know she'd probably say how grateful she was uh, but that your promotion mm-hmm. show where a lot of people became familiar with her what over 18 you know something like 20 years ago yeah 2001 yeah she she was one she was the first woman we had wrestle for us uh, and and interesting story it had kind of happened by accident you know it was one of those nights when a a kid was supposed to show up and he didn't she had her gear with her so we we put her in the ring with a guy and uh she she got over instantly and you could tell she was a prodigy and we started booking more girls and uh uh then i had an opportunity to book a young lady from japan in her first american match uh, by the name of Sumi Sakai. Oh, she's great. I, I, I love. She's having a retirement match. Yes. She just yes. She's in she... Mexico this week. 
I yeah. love her. I she's just so there nice. She's a, a Facebook friend of mine. Don't sue me. She's been wrestled yeah. for everybody since. I said if Hello <laughs> Kitty. I said if Hello Kitty could be a wrestler, she would be Susumi Sakai. You know, yeah. she's yeah. so polite and so friendly. Russell in the ring. She's so you just call her Susumi. Susumi. <laughs> I I'm, I don't speak Japanese like you do, so yeah, she's a great girl. And uh, let me let me tell you who else wrestled for us in those early days: Beth Phoenix. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Beth Phoenix was, was that, a regular for us. I'm sorry. Was it, was that her work name then? Uh, it was just Phoenix. Wow. The fabulous Firebird Phoenix was. Uh, what was her ring name? WWE Hall of Famer wrestling for Sheldon. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, it's crazy. John Cena worked for me before he became famous. Uh, Kofi Kingston. Never heard uh, of any of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Calling him the Doug greatest Williams. of all. Doug Williams had his first match in America in NECW. Becky Lynch had her first match in America in NECW. Oh. But I think that what I was getting at earlier was that Roland had kind of this dichotomy. He was both proud that he got these people to the pros and that he, you know, knew these people before they became famous and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Like in the instance of Dilip Singh. I mean, Dilip Singh came off the, uh, you know, boat from, from India and, you know, hung out in APW first. They, that was his first real experience on American right. soil. But I think Roland was always he kind of, a great Kali for people that don't know. Dilip Singh was his real name. Great Kali yeah. was his work right. name. And, and I think it always bothered Roland Alexander that he wasn't more famous. That like he brought all these people in and they became famous, but he himself didn't have that same well, level. He was the heel of Beyond the Mat, Barry Blaustein's Beyond the Mat. Wasn't the Mat was pretty yeah. big. Yeah. That was, that was, was a big enough. But that wasn't big enough for Roland. I think, you know, he wanted to be you know, on, uh, 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 you know, the WWE and, you know, he wanted to, to have APW be mentioned in the same breath as like, at least something like Ring of Honor or, or, or maybe like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He began Ring of Honor when the Gabe Sapolsky and Feinstein caught wind of somebody, a two day tournament bringing in. Now they had tournament. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As a promoter, how do you keep that from affecting you where you're, you're generating these big stars they go on to other things, and they're bigger than maybe you are because of what they've achieved. As you know, some of the names that you just mentioned, I thought that always ate away at Roland, and I don't know how that how you dealt with it, Sheldon. Well, I I wasn't expecting to be big uh, a big star. I wasn't expecting to be the guy. I knew I wasn't getting a contract. I, I knew I wasn't going to be, you know, seen on on WWE TV or whatever. I, I knew what my role was and, and I was happy with that. I didn't give a shit. I, you know, I just wanted to, to do what I was doing. You know, I just wanted to be successful at what I was trying to do and, you know, make a few dollars and, uh, uh, you know, cultivate my fans and, uh, uh, just, you know, try to, to do what we had set out to do, which was to be your, your friendly neighborhood pro wrestling company. And I wasn't trying to be the next WWE. I knew that was unrealistic. I, you know, if you think you're going to be bigger than the guys that you're putting in the ring, you're in the wrong business. 
But, but remember, too, Sheldon had TV. He had television. Yeah, twice. Yeah, and you were twice. part of the Howard Brody, the Ring Warriors thing with Gordon Soley and, and Bruno, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. A pretty I'm major glad I miss Howard and television uh, airing first time yeah. in America. Yeah, I, I I miss Howard so much. You have no idea. There's another character. What a character! Only in wrestling. Do you find these people that are very colorful and fun to be around and a blast? Howard was a blast. Howard was kind of like the Forrest Gump of pro wrestling. <laughs> he, he was on the scene for so many things and a part of so many things. And, and, and you know, he, he never got the big break that he was looking for. But I think he was at peace with that, you know, especially towards the end. But, boy, I, I, I miss him so much. I tell I really, people, really, I, really speaking, speaking of books, I tell people that Howard's book, Swimming with Piranhas, <laughs> along with J.J. Dillon's book, those were my, those were my yeah. two favorite wrestling books of all time, you know, more so than some of the big name guys that wrote books like Lou Albano, yeah. Bruno. Right. I mean, those books right. just, I, I could relate to those books. I haven't read sure. those yet, so I'm... You know, I'm not comparing yeah. it to Sheldon's, but I'm just saying <laughs> right, right, that was a right, tremendous right. book that Howard Brody wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a brave book, too. You know, it's always brave to lay yourself out, you know, kind of naked from the waist down for, for other people to look at. And uh, I, I told Howard, I said, You're, you got cast iron balls to, to write a book like this, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> so, Sheldon, um, speaking of that, Howard, Howard was much more pro WWE than I am, and he would he would always come back to, you know, the money. <laughs> you know, that's the point that they, they make crazy money, and I would butt heads with him on occasion. I mean, we were friends, but I would, I, I, I was like, no, you cre- you you create art, like last night, mm-hmm. Will Ospreay mm-hmm. and uh, Mike Bailey for Impact was art. You know, and obviously mm-hmm. Impact, you know, is not a big money maker like WWE. As right. a promoter, right. as a promoter, you know, you said before, you know, I wanted to do a, a good show for a local audience, make a few bucks. If you had the opportunity, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. If you had the opportunity to put out a lesser product, but make more money. I'm not talking WWE money. I'm talking, you know, a more profitable indie product. Would you would you go that route? Well, you know, here's the thing. Money is the end is the fuel that sustains the engine of pro wrestling. And it is important. I mean, you know, after a while, when you get involved in, in promoting independent wrestling, you realize, gee, the odds of me making a, a fortune in this are really slim. You know the old saying, Mike, you remember those, how do you make a small fortune in independent wrestling? Start with a large one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But I'm yeah. So, yeah, but I'm <laughs> bum, right. And and so, you know, you begin to realize, okay, this is the limits of what I'm, what I'm doing. I, I, I wish if I could go back, I wish I had more backing to be able to do what I was trying to do better than than what how I was doing it. 
And I'm not apologizing for anything that I did. I'm very proud of what I did. And I think that a lot of what I did holds up really, really well after all these years. But, you know, when you when you put it like that, it, it, it's not an either or proposition. You know, I think you, you can put out a good product and, and, and have it make money. There, there, there's no reason why, you know, those two things can't coexist. But, you know, one of the, the thing that, that's that's going on today, I think, more so than when I started promoting, is the buy-in for being a, an independent promoter is a lot higher than it was when I started. Um, you need a lot of equipment. You need, you know, you've got to put out a pretty slick presentation. Whereas when I started, that wasn't, you didn't necessarily have to have such a slick presentation. You didn't have to have a screen. You basically, you didn't have to have one step up from backyarding it. You basically had to Yeah, do yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, wouldn't say that we were one step up from backyard. But, you know, but, yeah, yeah, you know. But, but you know, what we put in the ring, I think, spoke for itself. We tried to tell good stories. We tried to create a platform where there would be some kind of television or some semblance of television. And, and, and we tried to give the people that work for us an experience that would prepare them for whatever would come next in their careers. So we knew where we were in the food chain. We knew what we, we were doing here. We knew where we were, what our, our place in the business was. And we were just trying to make the best of that. At least I was. So, you know, um, I, I, I don't sit around saying, gee, I, I should have been another Vince McMahon. I should have been another... Tony Khan or whatever. No, no, no. I was just trying to be your friendly neighborhood wrestling promotion, and I tried to do the best I could to be that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look back on it with absolutely no regrets. So, you know, while, uh, you know, I, I didn't exactly, uh, you know, back a Brinks truck up to the, to the building, um, you know, uh, I did what I did. I survived, lasted over 20 years, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy is, with that. What is one of the things that you would have done differently that, you know, you said? I would have had my own building. In New York, though, that's not so easy to pull off. Uh, it's, it's, no, no. Nowhere is it easy to pull off. Well, it was when we did our shows with California Championship Wrestling. We had to do them in Newman, California, in a warehouse, uh, literally in three hours away from... San Francisco. So yeah, it, it's possible, but the conditions are not so great. So I guess you could have done it right. maybe in right. Albany right. or right. something. But, you know, well, right. I, you know. Right. Let me say something here because when Sheldon started the promotion, I don't know if he remembers me asking him if he was going to bring his expertise and and some of the experience of the theater in with it because he had that skill set. And when I see guys that I think have uh, well, Court Bauer, I think, has probably taken what Sheldon did, and he'd probably say Sheldon was a, a motivator, uh, whether Sheldon has talked to him much or not. And I even think uh, Billy Corgan, who has this whole other life, which is theatric, you know, rock music, et cetera, with the Smashing Pumpkins. But uh, were you, did I needled you about that at the start, and then I, I don't think I brought it up again. Were you able to bring some of uh, your experience in theater, I'm sure you did into your promotion. Yeah, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't affect what was going on in the ring. It was more behind the scenes because I did PR 
you know, I was a press guy. I knew how to write a press release. I knew how to get to work with editors. I knew how to, I knew a little bit more about publicity and marketing. And those were the things that I, that I brought over from my theater experience. That and, and the fact that, you know, I, I used to do publicity for, you know, Broadway shows on tour and stuff like that. And, and my job a lot of times was to work with the people that nobody else wanted to work with. Uh, in fact, the very first show that I ever did PR for was a, a national tour of the Rocky Horror Show, the live version of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And the guy was the producer when he hired me. He looked at me and said, kid, says, let me tell you something. If you're going to do this for a living, you got to remember one thing above anything else. He goes, there's two kinds of actors, crazy and hospital crazy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 I found that to be largely true. Um, I had a lot of good experiences, but I, I worked with a lot of people that were 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 pretty off the deep end, well, and nobody wanted to work with them. Lauren Bacall, you worked with her, wasn't she? Kind of a pain in the yes. butt. No, she was not. A, no, once you got to know her, once you got to to you know pierce that facade, you 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 can't look, you can't work with people like that and be a fan. You you have right. to treat them like they're an equal, like like you're their friend. Otherwise, it doesn't work. They got fans up and down the yin yang. They don't need fans. They need people to help them do whatever it is that they need to do, promote their show, or you know, you know. Sometimes it's just to keep people away that should be kept away. But no, you you it, it it's it's a fine art. You've, you've got to work with people. You've, you've got to make them believe that you're a pro. If you, for a minute, they think that you're just a fanboy, you're out of the box. Forget it. You're Sheldon, Sheldon uh, my radio mentor was Fred Giobold over at WBAI-FM in New York, and he referred to wrestling as the proletarian performance art, theater for the people. So... So with your theatrical background, this is my big question. What is the line where, where as a promoter, you go, this angle, this promo, whatever, is realistic, is, you know, it's entertaining, but th isn't there a line where it's just silly and stupid? Sometimes I, I oh, turn yeah. on a wrestling show on TV and I cringe. I just cringe. I go, yeah. this is an insult yeah. to my intelligence. Yeah, it, it should be a depiction of competition. It, it should be. A, a, it, it shouldn't be something that you look at and go, Jesus Christ, that's stupid. It should yeah. take you out of the box. You should be able to lose yourself in that experience. Any angle or, or program that takes you out of that is no good. Yeah. Sheldon, I've, I've got my uh, $50,000 question, which is that as a promoter, and this is, this is one I think promoters deal with all the time, are you better yeah. off with the $2,000 fly-in and everybody else gets paid 20 bucks, and you're getting the absolute bottom of the barrel indie talent because you have the one really big name that everyone's heard of to be as your headliner? Or is it better to get you know well-known local talent it's going to maybe be, you know, 50 to to $100 per wrestler per bench. But there's nobody that anyone knows, you know, nationally or internationally at the top of the card. What are you better off with? If you're a good promoter, you're creating stars. 
You're you're taking the local guys and you're making the people care about them. Otherwise, you're not a promoter. Anybody can take a star and put their name and their picture on a poster and draw people. But it, that's not being a promoter. That's just being, you might as well be booking an autograph session. You know, it's just a glorified autograph session with matches. You know, I always wanted to, to make the local guys the focus. I wanted to engage the people in who those guys were and why they're fighting each other and what what that was all about, as opposed to, oh, come and see Joe Big Star. You know, that I, I stayed away from that. I didn't want to do that. That wasn't interesting to me. What was interesting to me is, is taking the local guy and making him the star of the show and making the people care about whether he won or lost. That that's what being a promoter is. That that to me, being the guy that books the big names, that's not being a, a, a promoter, at least, you know, my definition of one. Not that it's wrong, because you know, there's there's people that do these shows and it's all about the names. And the other guys in the card, well, they're just guys in the card. And for them, that works. For me, that didn't. For me, I wanted to create content. I wanted to create continuity. And I want you to care about the people in the ring. It doesn't do any good to just have guys on the card if, if you're not using them and helping them fulfill their potential in some way. So that's what I was trying to do. Speaking, speaking of posters, you mentioned posters. As a wrestling fan... When I see 30 indie. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah. Mm. I think what Evan was going to say was on a poster, you see 30 or 40, you know, names on it, and they're all one, one, uh, you know, 10-inch font, you know, 10-point font, and, and they're, you know, have special effects all around them, and you can't see what their names even are because it's like a, a white right, right, font right, right. on a on a flame background and everything like that. Yeah. Explosions going on. Every- if I see 30 guys on a poster, I'm not going to that show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's no, you, you, all more is more. We've through those things. Remember, uh, and and I not, not criticizing. They were fun, but they could be a little exhausting. The six and a half hour Dennis Coraluzo shows were there were, uh, uh, and they were a lot of fun. We saw a lot of stars come out of there. Everybody every- gets in the show. <laughs> that's the that's the uh, the quote they use. You know. Yeah. No, it shouldn't be that way. It, it should be. It should be Dennis's uh, wrestlers on the the thing. Yeah. Uh, they knew all of them, but it was, I forget, one of his was a guy who came to the ring singing opera. Yeah, yeah, I forget his name, though, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There were kinds of fun stuff, and obviously that's where Chris Candido with Popeye mm-hmm. uh, was coming to the ring even before Tammy started coming down the ring with Chris. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what yeah, I, I think, Evan, continue your question, because you're back now. Yeah, um... I apologize to the fans for the uh, tech issues, but um, Sheldon, what is your idea of a indie wrestling poster that works? Personally, I want to see what's the main event in the co-feature. Is it worth my going to this? Seeing 30 people, one or two of whom I know, you know, isn't going to, you know, lure me to a wrestling show. You're right. You're right. You know, you have to have a main event and and you've got to have, uh, you know, it, it doesn't 
too much less is more i guess is what i'm trying to say sometimes less is more yeah you know? I, yeah I, 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 yeah you know i i try to to promote people you know and uh, you can't promote too many people because it just gets lost in the sauce you know but don't you think sheldon we live in an era where more is more now i mean i and and not that this is a direct relatable but last night i watched frankenstein with my my daughter the 1933 mm-hmm. version of it mm-hmm. do you realize that that movie even though it's the one of the most influential monster movies of all time is an hour and nine minutes long mm. wow and I just heard that the latest Leonardo DiCaprio movie is like three hours and 25 minutes long. Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Yes. And I yeah. appreciate yeah. Martin Scorsese. But I'm Likewise. just thinking, you can tell one of the most legendary stories of all time in an hour and nine minutes. Or you can do the Batman movie that just came out, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago. And that's three hours long. What's yeah, wrong? too much. What's wrong with telling a story that has a tight narrative and gets over and done with in an hour and nine minutes that becomes legendary versus something that just goes on and on and no one ever tells the director, you know what, we're good. The scene where you're driving, maybe you can cut that out of 20 minutes and make that a five minute scene. Yeah. You know, well, no one really really does Russell, that. Um, as someone who's made movies, um, Distributors have told me, major distributors face-to-face at meetings have told me the ideal length for a documentary is 80 minutes, you know, an hour, 20 minutes. So when you see documentaries that are two hours, you know, Mm -hmm. 120 minutes, a lot of times it gets to be repetitive and tedious or even fawning with hero worship, depending who the subject is. So... Yeah, um, but Martin Scorsese is a master filmmaker. And mm-hmm. when I watched The Irishman, which was like three hours or so, it, it felt like, you know, it, it it flew by. So something could be long and great also, you know. Yeah. But, but yes, um, you don't need a three-hour superhero movie where... You know, there's 87 different characters and you don't know Mm -hmm. 12 of them are because you haven't watched the last seven in the franchise or whatnot. That's why the Three Stooges made shorts. Yeah, that's right. But we're in an an era where we say everyone's attention span is so short, yet we have three-hour Raws. We have three-hour, you know, we have... Sheldon, are you watching today's product? Because there's hours and hours on free TV every single night. It's too hard to keep up with. You know, Thursday yeah, night, yeah. hours of impact, which is great. One hour in New Japan. Friday, last night, it was too much AEW. Three hours of AEW. It's too much. I watched the impact uh, pay-per-view last night, and uh, that Osprey match was off the charts. Oh, my God. It was great. The whole card looked great. The... Uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff on there, and they they did an unusual thing on the buy-in. They didn't have any matches; they just did all the Hall of Fame stuff, which was effective. Yeah, I yeah. AEW AEW's last pay-per-view that um, um, the the one they had a few weeks ago, Dream um, Wrestle Dream Wrestle Dream Wrestle Dream. Um, 
you don't need 14 matches in one night. They were no. racing. They were racing through a bunch of them. Six months from now, if you put a million dollars cash in front of me, I couldn't name half those matches. You know, yeah. you don't need 14 matches. You know, they, one they, night. they called it Wrestle Dream because two and a half hours in, you fall asleep. Well, that that's really WWE pay per views where I'm like numb by yeah. by the middle of the show. I'm They've just been numb. But yeah, Sheldon, are you watching all of this TV or no? Yeah, we don't there, have. There, I do not have enough hours to what I, I can't. I, I can't do it. I can't watch three hours of Raw. I, I'll watch Dynamite, but anything else, I'm I'm just kind of. And I, the only reason I watch Dynamite is because, and you know, you see some good matches, but the show booking wise is a car wreck. It is an absolute car wreck. And and I you know, I wish it weren't the case. I want them to be successful. I want everything I see to be good. And, you know, who wants to sit there and who sits down in front of their TV and say, I'm gonna watch this wrestling show and I really hope it sucks. The nobody, IWC nobody does that. The IWC does, the internet wrestling community does. They pretty much do. You know, from from what they they write on on every uh, at least you know the people who are WWE fans are watching uh, an, an an Impact show so they can tear it apart, and the people who are uh, Impact fans or AEW fans watch a WWE show so they can tear it apart on the internet, and that's their only goal. That's the only reason. You know what? Watching. You know what that is? That's a weakness on the part of the promotions for not presenting a compelling product. Exactly. Exactly. AW exactly like Sheldon says is a mess, but occasionally they'll have really, really great matches. <laughs> WWE, that last pay-per-view was instantly forgettable, but they only had five or six matches and, and it and they didn't rush through them and they get yeah, and they told yeah, the yeah. story with each of them. So there's there's certain things they yeah. do better than the other. You know, they right, have the right, Roman right. Reigns storyline, which is pretty amazing. It's like the best thing going. It has. It's all Paul Heyman, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They well, need a bit more of that in the AEW, particularly with the greatest talent roster. The uh, talent mm -hmm. roster. Mm -hmm. Well, Sheldon, it's been great to have you on the show. We're Just right about at the end. Last fall, Sheldon's very first novel. Yes. Yeah, Sheldon, do you have a, a like a like a copy of it you can hold up to the screen? I don't. I haven't gotten my books yet. I, I get my author copies on Friday, and uh, but go look. Go, find me on Facebook, Sheldon Goldberg. I'm on Facebook or NECW Wrestling on Facebook or at NECW on Twitter or X as it's called now, and uh, you'll see the pictures of the cover and all that. Uh, I'm really proud of this book. I, I said, guys, you're you're going to like this book. Uh, uh, it's right up your alley. So. Well, I'm really glad we can help promote it for you, and uh, we really you. hope that hope that you have the best of health uh, in the uh, upcoming uh, 2024, and have no other uh, challenges coming for you. And a good holiday season to you, and uh, really Likewise. love to have you on the show again. Hopefully, maybe next year after your book's out, and you come up with your next project. Yeah, I I, I would be happy to. I'm I'm looking forward to, to talking with you guys again. Uh, always a pleasure to see Mike and Evan, whether it's in person or whether it's on Skype or wherever it is. It's great to see your face, Mike. I haven't seen that face in a long time, and yeah, I miss that face. Big bug. 
But yeah, the book, yeah. The Last Fall, I can't wait to, to read it. And then Sheldon probably should do his own autobiography. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I got stuff to do first, you know. I, I, I got, still have things to accomplish. I, I, I was saying to a friend of mine today, I, I feel like this book is like my third act, you know. Like I'm, I'm, any more, I'm, any more acts to come. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a video project coming early next year uh, called New England Championship Wrestling: The Lost Matches Live. And what that is <laughs> is I, I picked uh, a group of matches that we're going to put together in a, a, a video program, and we're going to show it in a movie theater with a live Q and A afterwards. Me, awesome. awesome. Me. Yeah, That's nobody's awesome. ever done anything like that. I thought that would be like a cool thing to do. You know, having been pro a promoter for so long, you know, there's a lot of matches kind of slipped through the cracks. We didn't air them or we were holding them for some reason or another. Like one of those matches is a match between Doug Williams and Matt Taven. Now, bo both guys have interesting histories with NECW. And uh, there's a tag match with Tito Santana. There's all kinds of cool stuff that that has not been seen or heard from either ever or was part of our uh, online TV series that we did uh, before we got on conventional TV. And a lot of those matches just don't exist online anymore. So uh, we're going to put those together in a little program that uh, we're going to show in a movie theater. I'm very excited about that. Nice. So, uh, well, that's exciting. Yeah. 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 That's wonderful. Yeah, that Great to have you on the show. Thanks again, Evan and, and, and Mike joining me this week. And uh, we'll see everyone again next week. Thank you so much. Good night, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Good night. Thanks. Good night.